Matthew 18. Before, we, before I share from Matthew 18 with you, I'm taking a break before I leave uh, because of just the way things have worked out here. A mass of air or water that spins really fast and pulls objects into us. You see a whirlpool is like a vortex. But in Gold Hill, Oregon, Gail and I have been there and with our kids. Uh, has anybody else been to the Gold Hill Vortex? Ryan and Angie, you guys have probably been there, right? So what it is, it's like a magnetic area of a, some kind of a thing. <laughs> and I read up on it. And what I came out with from the different ones was it's kind of a thing. Because they couldn't explain it well enough. I'm not that dumb. I still couldn't get what each one of them said about it. And, of course, what it is is if you go there, you could walk across an area, and it would look like the area is getting smaller. Or it, it just you think you're going downhill when you're going straight. You think things are shrinking as you walk through them. There's just this, it's an optical illusion, kind of, or more than that. And, of course, the people who own that spot have accentuated it by building buildings that, you know, make the room go smaller. And you, you're, you're, you're way high. You're really, it looks like the ceiling is this straight across. So you start out, you're this high to the ceiling. You walk over there, your head's almost touching it. And yet, it's, if you measure it, it is the same height at each end. So take a trip out there. It didn't cost much. Um, <laughs> after two hours, you'd say, okay, that was kind of neat, but not for a trip to Oregon. So... At any rate, we live in times like a vortex. That's <laughs> uh, a time, there's a lot of darkness, yes? Is there a lot of darkness? Maybe you don't. So let me ask you this. Uh, a mag light, you know, or like a, a policeman's flashlight, you know, those things are really powerful and good. They work really great until uh, dusk, but once it gets really dark, the flashlights, when it's really, really, really dark, flashlights don't work, right? Really? Are you sure? Because sometimes to hear us, I mean all of us, we would think that the light just gets dimmed out all the time as it gets darker. But do you know that's not the truth? Any more than a flashlight gets dimmer in the dark. It's the real light. We need to be constantly reminded. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become harmless, blameless and harmless, the children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So the word crooked is just crooked. The word uh, uh, perverse can also be uh, translated distorted. Distorted like a vortex, you know, things are distorted. And, of course, I know and you know that it's challenging. Watching and listening to some people, you'd think God not only has no right to rebuke them, he can't even correct them gently or disagree with them about anything. Well, I hope that's not you and me. I hope we're not just pointing fingers at people that won't listen to God because Does God have the right to correct you, to rebuke you, to tell you you're wrong? When we open the Bible, we're not opening it to confirm that everything's just the way I thought it is, (laughs) and I know, and you don't. We're opening the Bible for the light to shine on our hearts, and 
get rid of the things that are contrary to God, which is what gives us the ability to love other people and help them see the light too because we're letting it shine in us and through us. So in uh, Psalm 74, we are going to do a psalm, just a part of one, just a few verses, something that kept jumping out at me as uh, we're going through the Bible in a year. Some of you are doing this as well, and we were in Psalm 74 earlier in the week, or last, I don't know, sometime in the past, (laughs) between when I last talked to you. And he says this Asaph is not a person's name here. There wasn't one guy named Asaph. It's a title. Um, a guy could have been called Asaph, but there's Asaphs throughout. And why? And this is written later than David by quite a bit. Oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. They have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name to the ground. You see, this Asaph, two years after David, in the later Psalms, and he saw this destruction and it grieved him greatly. Wouldn't you be grieved if you were there? Who wouldn't? But his question, like so many people, it's, it's hopeless, Lord, and it will never be right. John prayed that prayer. Uh, Wilkerson prayed about how we can look like there's no hope. You know, he had that heart working in him, that, that hopelessness was his first thought. He didn't stay there. It'll never be right. Is that true? Was, did God cast them off forever? No, no, that was Israel. And God had a, he forgot during that moment or wasn't aware or thinking about during that moment that, that, that God had made promise In 70 years, you'll return. You will return, you will rebuild, and you will restore worship. I will restore true worship with you. Israel would be back. Israel would be back, not just once during that 70-year captivity, but then even after Jesus and they were dispersed, they'd be back again. There is a nation of Israel today in defiance. I don't mean them personally in defiance. Maybe defiance isn't the best word. In deference to all of Earth's history of any other people, group, or situation, it is an absolute miracle that Israel was brought back into their land not once but twice and that they're there today. Now, it's not completely fulfilled with them. You know they're having a lot of trouble right now. But even the fulfillment of that will come in the millennial kingdom, and it will come. But first will come, the Bible tells us, an antichrist, a person in the place of Jesus who is opposed to him, who Bill talked about in Revelation last week, the woman that rides the beast is serving the antichrist, and and the word that uh, all the people who give honor to him are useful fools is absolutely 100% exactly right. He's not in love with anybody on earth. He hates us all. So in our distress, our natural tendency is to think, it's not working, there's too much darkness. There's too much darkness. There's just too much darkness. I don't know why. You know, Jesus didn't say, you get to see the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. Now, maybe, I'm not going to preach on that. 
take some time, if that strikes you, you are the light of the world. Just take some time with God about that. Try to, and this is meditating on God's word, isn't, mm, <laughs> meditating on God's word is, okay, Lord, speak to my heart. Oh, Lord, reveal yourself in me. Do I'm using my own words here. You don't have to use my words. I'm saying there's this connection that you embrace for God to deepen it in the depth of your inner person. Maybe it takes a little energy. Maybe it takes time. Maybe you have to go through some frustration to get from point A to point B. So, could be a really good thing. See, God said that these things would happen. He told us how to walk through the things we're seeing till he redeems us. And Jesus promised to be with us in all of it. So, Rick, are you in our country? Our country's going to be restored to greatness and, 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 and purity, like as if it ever was, and, and, and in our country or the world? No, I am not saying that. We could see great revival even in the next two weeks or whatever. But only one nation on earth was promised to be restored even to greater glory in the end, and that is Israel as a picture for every believer. Not any nation, not a nation, but the people of God. So, um, even Jesus to his disciples, when bad was coming, pretty bad was coming, how I'm going to be crucified. But then he also said after that, John 16, 33, These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. He's already done it. He also told us that it would be as the days of Noah and the days of Lot would be the time of his coming, the coming of the Son of Man. Are we there? Well, probably. (laughs) I don't know for sure that it can go, how far it can go, but we're probably there. But you know what? What's the most important question? Not are we there yet. Are we ready? And you know me and my thought on this is, are we ready to stay so that we're ready to go? Are we ready to go so that we're ready to stay? Ready with God because it's all racing there. So do pray. Do be ready. And do share Jesus and let your light shine wherever you can. Look for opportunity to share Jesus with people. Do not look for a hole to crawl in and hide. I'm going to say it again because it's real simple. I'm not a profound person. It's good. Look not for a hole to crawl in and hide. So, that leads me to Matthew 18, 1 through 7. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they were certain one of their names was going to be listed here. <laughs> then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. 
Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. And you know there's much more here. And I'm not going to try to, my goal is to pick something out of this that is clear and true, so I'm not abusing the scripture, but I'm not going to develop all of the thoughts that you could and the structure of that. You know, does this mean we're supposed to be childish? You must become as a child? Uh, He's speaking of childlike faith. And Paul's words are really helpful so you don't get stuck here on this. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. So we're not called to be limited in our knowledge as a little child, but we are to be focused in faith and simplicity as a child. Amen? You may know more than this about this. You may have a whole study you could do about it. Let's leave that for now. We're looking at children because some people who are living in the darkness, they're blinded, they are thought when they read this, don't offend children, is let children decide their own gender identity. That's That's how people think. Not all people. Listen, there's a whole bunch of people that just, just keep their mouths shut because they don't want to get in trouble. Just go along because they don't want to get in trouble. But God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Boy, we see that in vivid color right now. But it's always been there too. And there's something specific that is short with you before I leave because you'll understand. You might not agree, but you'll understand. Um, I was always under the impression in recent years, even decades, because it sure looks this way, that our public schools, the district superintendent, the principals, have the authority to arbitrarily decide what clubs can come in to school and what clubs can't. They can say, yes, we'll have a chess club. They can say, yes, we'll have a Muslim club. Yes, we'll have a Satanist club. No, we don't want a Christian club, not a Bible club. I thought, I thought, (laughs) in my lack of knowledge, which I'm a little bit ashamed of, maybe a lot of shame. I'm not living in shame, but don't worry about me. I'm just saying I can't believe that I didn't really understand because the way it looks, that's how it looks. They can't do that. It looks that way. Enter Amy coming to me about, hey, you know, Child Evangelism Fellowship has good news clubs, and I've been thinking about doing a good news club. We might be able to get in the school. You can also do these clubs that happen at the church, et cetera. And we set up a meeting. I said, that's great. You know, if you want to pursue this, let's pursue it. She pursued and talked to the district who host good news clubs. So it's all, that's the group. Child Evangelism Fellowship, good news clubs, and other kinds of clubs. And we found out from Frank, godly man, 
you get close to my age, if not, my, Frank, if you're younger than me, sorry. But, you know, uh, he run, he's been doing this, like, for many years. And down, and he's centered south of Albany, but it's the whole region, that they can't do that. Um, they have been around since 1937, and they're in 189 countries at this time, leading uh, children to Jesus through their clubs. And guess what? Keep a good news club out. The Equal Access Act is, I have it here, I have a note on it that tells what it says, uh, is uh, in force in New York, coupled with the First Amendment. All you have to do is go to court. <laughs> because you have to go to court a lot of times because they fight you. But, but there's places where they already know they can't fight you, so they don't. And every time it goes to court, every time it goes to court, Child Evangelism Fellowship wins. You see, by the way, the Satan clubs, what he described is they're, they're, they spring up everywhere because they're science clubs that also, when they call themselves Satan clubs, it's, there's usually somebody there from this organization that hates Christianity and just wants to rub it in. And they pursued getting their club there through this act so that they opened the door for the church or Good News Club to be much more effective in going. So Good News Clubs, they win their cases there is resistance often, but they're undeterred, and they win. And we even have a lawyer who now became a judge in Albany who was really helping them get stuff done, and there's a lot going on I'm not going to talk about today. That's for the future. That's for Amy or for, you know, et cetera. Let me just read verse 13 through 15 in Matthew. Uh, well, let me stop for a minute. There's resistance. I cook eggs, bread, milk. <laughs> there's, there's hostility initially, and, 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 you know, and sometimes it's ongoing. Some of you in your workplace, I know me going to a hospital to go pray for somebody who's sick with family members that hate God or Christianity, how hard that is to go in when they're sitting there like this, or to a place where you're going to... I'm not the only one that's been there, right? So many of you have been there. Sometimes Christians avoid anything like that. That would mean, did you notice the silence? Because that's what you're accomplishing. If you avoid every bit of conflict, nothing. We accomplish nothing. You know, I'm not, I'm not into fighting and venting on people and being angry at the world. I, I teach against that. But facing conflict, my friends, it's part of life. It's part of life. Listen, we were talking at the men's breakfast, and I want to bring this out. Rejection is a very hurtful thing, is it not? Some of us are still dealing with early childhood rejection that has just molded in us such a difficulty. Some of you fight a battle. As soon as somebody says something contrary to you, something rises up in you. This isn't one person. This is anybody. But some of you, you know this battle. It's like immediately something rises up in you when somebody challenges you. Am I correct? Nobody wants to be the one. Yes! <laughs> it's me, it's me. No, it's, it's many of us. And even if you didn't have that, nobody likes rejection. Do you want to know how you can relate to people that are so different from you out there? 
is to realize how not different they are from you. When you go in a room of total non-believers, and they're obvious in their non-belief, do you get what I'm saying? It could be extreme, whatever in there. You go in, your first thought may be, if you're really on your game, your thought may be, I wonder how I can share Jesus with this guy, these guys. But for most people, I won't say everybody, because somebody may have arrived further than I've gotten. But for most people, we would go, I wonder if there's a way to share Jesus. And then immediately it's, what will they do to me? How will they make me feel? How will they reject me if I share Jesus? Look how self-centered we are. All of a sudden, it's all about me and how I'm going to be treated. Am I going to be rejected? I'm not blaming you for this. If you're that way, you're human. You're normal in your human nature. But what are we called to? Something different than that. Something higher than that. It won't be solved because I get intense. It won't be solved because you pray one prayer. Although God can move in your heart in a dramatic way over one prayer. But probably, this is another one of those meditate, say la. <laughs> what do you think about that, as Bill says? And think about it. Do you see how much rejection you have in your life? How much it affects you? Even you confident people, you maneuver so that you don't get rejected. Because I know that because when I'm confident, I still have that in me. And when I'm not confident, I'm the other way. Wouldn't it be, can you imagine going into a room with a bunch of people that are grossly hateful to God and saying, I wonder how the Lord would use me. I don't mean going in and blasting and having no thought for being careful or wise or patient, or loving, and just, I'm going to just say what it is. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's, that's not truly Christ-like, and it's not fruitful. But what would it be like to walk in a room or go to your family in your mind, but what entered your mind was, how can I love and help them? And that was the only thought you had. Well, I'm asking you to think about something you don't know how to do, and I don't either. I know how to fight it. I know how to be aware of it. And I know how to pray about it. And I know how to, in my own feeble way, share it with you. And now let the Lord have his way in that. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples, who were really clear about everything Jesus said, <laughs> followed it to a T. <laughs> They're just people like us. The disciples rebuked Jesus, said, let the children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. You know, we all agree. When I say all here, I mean all the people that feel, believe they're part of ACF. If you're visiting, if you're listening, and you're not that we, we still love you. Hopefully you'll learn from this and experience God, and we want to help with that. And we're, we don't think we're the greatest thing since Swiss cheese. We're just doing the best we can. And we're willing to be corrected when it's biblical. But we all agree that children need to be brought to Jesus and blessed by him. Is that true? Yeah. Remember when Gail shared with us, we're going to Malawi, and she's going to be doing more of this, and she's got a really great plan this year. Uh, She didn't have to have a great plan. Just going to the hospitals is amazing. But 
to reach even the doctors and the nurses and the workers there as well as the ladies with the babies. But that doctor, when she was going to leave and not go back to see the brand new born within the last half hour babies or being born as she walked into the delivery room, she wasn't going to go in. She's the doctor. The doctor said, no, no, no. You must pray over each and every one of them. No one prayed for me when I was a baby. And I want to make sure these women and their babies get prayed for. You know, you might think there's you would think that because Satan's whispering in your ear. There's nobody. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to know Jesus. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody. You want to know the voice of God? That ain't it. That's not the voice of God. It's that important. But we can, particip- can we participate further than just praying? And I don't mean just, you know I don't mean just praying. I am a proponent of wishing many more people would come to prayer meeting and that it's valuable. But can we do more, especially as children are being slowly or not so slowly, mentally, emotionally, spiritually poisoned, as I pointed out two weeks ago, the word, as I was fit, you know, mentioned briefly, they're being poisoned. And I don't mean all teachers in schools and public schools are, are wanting this. There's teachers that are fighting it. There's teachers that are trying to avoid it. There's teachers who are doing the best they can. But the, the system has moved to a direction where if you actually knew that physical poison was being put in the food at schools and children were slowly being poisoned to die, would you do something about it? Do you need to be a kid person if they're getting poisoned? Well, I'm not a kid person. And so they're getting poisoned, but you're not a kid person. I just want that to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't going to get that intense, but I'm going to let that stand. I'm not going to apologize. I did apologize, but I take it back. <laughs> I'm not a kid person. I'm not a kid person. I have something to say about that. And, and I also want you to know this doesn't mean, oh, Rick's going to go to every single person in this church needs to do this. Of course not. Of course not. I don't know how to not be emphatic. And this is something if you're going to get emphatic about, I think it's a pretty good one. It's about whatever it is you're supposed to do to open your heart like Matt was talking about in your mind to what God would have you do. Because not everybody can do anything that anybody talks about that has passion about so just know that. But, but I want to incur, paint two pictures for you before we close. Number one is when years ago, when Faith Bridge Foster Care, we were trying to bring them in with other churches from Georgia who have a, a, an organization that does foster care with Christian ethics and amazing support that even the state government funnels through them and they work in as a liaison with the state. New York said no because you have a stand morally about who you'll let foster kids but the guy got up and said when he was explaining what they're doing he said you know it's like there was some people went down to the river and in the river they saw these little children and babies floating down the river and they all hey come on and they all just went and made a chain they all jumped in the river and they're fishing these kids out of the water two guys or a guy and a girl jump out of the water and start running upstream, and the other guys go, where are you going? We're going to go where they're throwing the babies in and stop it. 
thought that was significant. I've remembered it forever. Evangelism Fellowship is one. They've seen success. Salvations of the kids, improved behavior, grades, and attendance, where even a superintendent sent a letter to the rest of the schools because of a couple of schools. Everywhere they work, the kids, they get, the kids who join it, their attendance gets better, their grades get better, and their behavior gets better. And a lot of times, this isn't like perfection, you know. I'm not saying it just off the charts, nothing goes wrong, and everything is wonderful. But man, they see kids come to the Lord, kids bring their brothers and sisters, they get the older program going, parents get saved. I mean, it does happen. It's happening. It's happening. And the superintendent wrote, have to. And he said, furthermore, I suggest you search them out. Get them in your schools. It wasn't a Christian. It was just a superintendent that saw the results. Okay, Rick, I'm all for it. Go for it. We'll pray for you guys. I'm just not a kid person, but I am supportive. I understood. I understand that. Not every person, again, is a kid. I jumped ahead, so I'm reading my notes. Not every person is a kid person, and <laughs> not everyone can be directly involved. But uh, in 47 years of ministry, I would say probably as a pastor, I see through the years and decades people get stuck in the thought that if they're not greatly gifted and they're not passionate about a specific subject or area of ministry, they won't even explore how God might use them. I'm going to say it again. Uh, my experience is not the gospel. That's just my experience. You can weigh it out. This is my experience. 47 years, people like you, good people who love Jesus, people that are trying to find their, what they're supposed to do, people who have to deal with pastors like me who aren't very good at helping in some ways, you know, that probably others could do better. But I can tell you this right now. People get stuck in the thought, well, I'm not greatly gifted or I'm not passionate about that specific group of people, and so they won't even explore how God might use them. That leads me to the second picture I want to paint for you, and forgive me. Now, this one, do forgive me, because if it's self-grandizing about my experience and me, uh, it's not what I want, but I, I'm still going to tell you because I've got to use me because it's a story I know. You know, I was 35 or 6 years old, and I had pastored a small church, and then I had gone, and I was part of the church again with a good friend who was a good, wonderful brother, and a great pastor, and he, he, he said, you know, our, we don't have a leader over our children's ministry. Would you take leadership over the children's ministry? I was just back for a few months with them, and I said, well, uh, I have never taught kids. You might think I've been a kid guy my whole life, like, I was in a youth ministry of 18-year-olds and up, and we didn't have kids around. I was married now, and I had two children, so that, you know, I did have kids. But I had never done kids at all. I said, well, uh, wouldn't it be a good idea if, like, if I taught so I knew anything about this, what the teachers are doing? And I said, you've got to give me a little time and let me teach a class, and I'll tell you if I will take this over. And um, so they gave me fifth and sixth graders. And, um, that, and the first week was rough. It was rough. I had a plan, you know. <laughs> had my shining personality. That went really far. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the next week was a little better. And the next week was better. 
and then the next week was hard, and then the next week was better, and then it just it got where I got into a flow. And and what I want to say about that is I'm I'm big on this. Bill might remember when I seemed I wasn't rebuking him or finding fault with him, but I was such in a mindset where he said, "Just try it once about coming to prayer," and I said, "Don't try it once." <laughs> Because in that time, I was in a mind like I am today. And here's that mind that I have today, that I have often. How many things do you just try once that are important? And if, it, if you have any that, I think, like, even if you're going to go visit a church, unless you clearly see that there's problems there, and you definitely know you're not supposed to be there, or even if you're going to go try to do some ministry, and you, you say, I'll try it once and see how I feel about it, I suppose there's a time where that's good, but I get it. I do get that. But I think people shoot themselves in the foot because they're not willing to go through some changes about challenge to get involved in stuff. Most things that, you know, when you ride a bike, when I rode a, learned to ride a bike, I fell off every minute, every time I got on it, all day. My dad said, just get back on, get to the curb, get on it. was like I could barely touch the pedals, fall, just get it over by the curb. That's how he helped me. He maybe he just said he didn't make me. He said, "If you want to ride a bike, this is how you learn to ride a bike. You fall down and you get back up." So the idea of just trying something once is kind of, I'm that guy, okay, that you don't want to talk about that to, because I don't buy it. I think you do something. I do buy it. If the Lord shows you that, if you know it's wrong, you get your own relationship with God. But just look at your life at things that you've accomplished. You didn't just try it once. You didn't. You cared about getting past the hard things. And that's what I'm pointing out to you. Whether it's about child evangelism or not, this is a heart of a pastor who, and a person who just knows that that's a good thing in the right perspective. So I, was, I, I, so I started leading the Sunday school, and uh, I oversaw it there, and I learned how to use the people who really knew what they were doing more than myself, and I tried to pastor them. And I go to Oregon. It was just a small stint, but I get to Oregon with the hundreds of kids. And the preschool was like there was nobody at class, uh, no teacher. And there was 40 kids in the room. And Gail was so happy when I said, well, I'll just stay here and teach. And you can help me. And it was like me and Gail and 40, four and a half to five-year-olds. Man, if you've ever seen me sweat, you haven't seen me sweat. But by the end, because I just tried to stay ahead of them. I, I ended up overseeing the Sunday school. That's where I ended up overseeing eventually the Sunday school. And, and here's my suggestion. I'm not suggesting everyone should become a Sunday school person. That's the point. Is um, I did not do any of that. And God blessed me with, surrounded me with people who were great at it. And we, we just, a great thing kind of happened during our time in that Sunday school. And better since I left. But my friends, I did not do any of it the way Amy does it. Meaning, I didn't have a passion for kids when I came in. I didn't get up every morning and go, I just so love children. And I just wanted, and I had to do that while I did a whole lot of other things too for years. And I did it happily, and I think it's helped me in tremendous ways. Uh, I didn't do it because I had a passion for kids. And I think the Bible doesn't teach you to just follow your passion. 
teaches you to follow the leading of the Lord. And so, and, and not just me, there was other, and I recruited men. I recruited men, meaning I just talked to guys I knew, said, how about hall duty? Because we had such a big thing, you had little boys out in the hall often, very few girls. <laughs> My son was one of them all the time. <laughs> you know, out in the hall taking a time out with a, somebody, a couple of guys in the hall. And then some of those guys would mold into teaching and helping. And people learned to do it, and we didn't pressure anybody to do it. We really didn't. Uh, but what I'm telling you is, I, I didn't do that out of a love for kids, but I stepped in because I had a desire to serve and to be used wherever God could use me to help the body of Christ. And, you know, if, if a ship is sinking and you've got, you know, boats to lower and life jackets to put on people, you don't say, well, I'm not really trained in this. <laughs> you say, that's all. That's, I'm not going to keep going on that. And, and so... Um, we have some really, almost done, we have some really great teachers in our Sunday school. Do you know that? The, the, it's ladies uh, who, I don't think there's any men right now, but the ladies who do this are incredible. You ladies who do it, we know that you're very, very good. And, uh, and it, is, it is true. The scriptures encourage women in the raising and training of children and, and for older women to teach younger to do that, but that is not to the exclusion of men. Okay. Now, the exclusion of men. The exclusion of men. Ladies, I respect you greatly. This has nothing to do with lowering how much I value the women in this body in this world. It's the exclusion of men that is systematically happening. Now, teaching profession has always been more women in recent, just lost me? Hello? Okay. I'm going to say something really good. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. I'll let you judge. The, uh, the, exclusion of, the exclusion of men in our culture is huge. You know, right now in the teaching profession, it, it's uh, 75% women to 25% men. But if you go into the administration, I'm told by most people, there's very few men leading the way at all. And uh, uh, always, there's more reasons in the teaching realm why that's been that way, but it's growing. College is at least 60% women versus 40% men. Uh, It's all moving down this road pretty fast. And the point is that men are disappearing in many roles of leadership and service in our country. Men are disappearing. I am not pointing my finger at women at all. And I am not pointing my finger at men. Satan hates God. So he hates marriage. He hates strong, loving fathers or men in culture. He, ha- he hates men and women working together to paint the picture of Jesus and his bride as in marriage but also in society. And just as important, he hates having single people who God has pronounced specific blessing using Paul's words, how they can focus without distraction on the Lord and minister greatly. The point is, there's room for everyone. Now, we don't do a good job of working that out. I don't think I've done a good job, but I am telling you right now, we've got an opportunity here. And uh, there's room for everyone. And it is possible that working alongside training, learning from the ladies, uh, and in CEF could play a part in rescuing children. I, 
you know, you're probably not going to strap on a gun and take clandestine things and go stop child trafficking. Probably most guys in this room aren't thinking about going to join that effort, are you? Is there anybody here who's planning to go overseas or join a group that's fighting child trafficking directly, like going in and rescuing kids? I'm not faulting you if you're not doing that. You know, that's going on. You know, it's a big deal. You know about the movie, and you know about the reality. And you know we care about that, don't we? Well, most of us are not going to be the guy who goes overseas or down into New York City or to the Super Bowl and rescue kids. Here's something. It's possible God wants some of you guys. And the reason I'm making this thing is because we're going to have a training with CEF that Amy will let you know about in the next month or so. We're not planning on September to do anything other than be prepared and start find a time to get prepared and have training. And what I want to encourage everybody in the room, uh, young and old, is that you can train without any pressure to be a part of it because they really train you about sharing the gospel. And a bunch of you wish you could share the gospel better. And you say, well, it's little kids and it's the wordless Bible. That's not all they do. And they're very well, and nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. It's not tailored just for you what you want. But I bet you would gain something from it. I'm going to go. Gail's going to go. And I would encourage you to go and get trained and, and learn and see if God would use you. You know, if you're a grandpa or grandma, kids need grandpas and grandpa figures. If you're a young adult, they look to you more than anybody. If you're, if you're a person, that ha- kids respond to love and respond to Jesus. And we might have an opportunity to start with something at the church and then maybe in January go to the school. We have the way to do it. We have people that will sign their Kids have to ask for it, but there's kids all over that would ask for it. So I just wanted to make you aware of it and make you aware of the training Because instead of throwing up our hands in disgust or sitting on our hands, let's use our hands. And I don't, whoever this speaks to, if one person that wouldn't do it, if we just said, hey, we're having a training, if you're interested in doing person who wouldn't have responded has been reached, then I value this time, whether you do or not. I value it. I think you do. I think there's other things in this study that maybe would stir your heart. But if you want to learn how to share your faith with others, or even your own grandchildren or children, it's a great place. Get some tools. It's not perfect, and there's no obligation, no obligation to join. You know, oh, you came to training. You got to do that. Honestly, honestly, I know that God has to move hearts, and God has to be the one to orchestrate. But I wasn't going to leave here without giving you my best shot. Because when that hit me in the face, like, how come I didn't know this? And why is it that there's only uh, past Clifton Park, including Clifton Park, uh, up to here, into Wilton, and even beyond, Glens Falls? I don't, I'm not sure, because that is included. There's only one other church that's gonna, that is just starting to do this. And we could go into every grade school. And the gospel could be given to kids in every grade school. Why is it like that? Well, there's people like me who just didn't know and should have. I should have known. 
now that I know, I'm bringing it to you. Father, we pray that you would move, um, that we wouldn't just uh, have a Lord, and we know that not everybody is going to do this. We don't know if you're going to allow us to get in this. We don't know what's going to happen. But we know that we don't want to sit on our hands or throw our hands up in disgust, but we want to make ourselves available to you. For some people in this room, it's going to be something totally different that you've spoken to us about, about the rejection and not letting rejection stop us from being true. Lord, let us find our security in Jesus Christ. Let us find our acceptance in Jesus Christ. Let us really find our acceptance in Jesus Christ. And then let our light shine, God. Would you just do that in us? And for the ways that you're going to choose to do in the coming months that is different than this, bless those people. But for the people that you're calling to take a step and learn and see, would you pull us together and would you also spread this to many other churches and let them be extremely effective that we might reach? Not only the kids, but their families and the school officials. And we pray for our schools and our superintendents and our teachers. We pray for the Christians who are trying so hard to hold the line and yet in the middle of it. We pray for the ones who are so promoting evil. Lord, I don't ask you to destroy them. I ask you to save them, but stop them one way or another. We do pray that. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.